Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Lord, I ask you this morning for liberty. Lord, I know that Satan hates the home. And Lord, would do anything he can to cripple and hinder any home in this church. I pray that you'll bless the message. May the word of God go forth in power. And may you help our hearts and help our homes. And we'll love you and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach on this subject on three principles for a godly home. Three principles for a godly home. In this chapter here, Moses is going to deal uh, with the children of Israel concerning uh, the commandments of God. And we won't take the time, but if you go back to the first four chapters of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses simply calls Israel to reflect back to how God has been good to the nation of Israel uh, in their life. And that's what basically uh, the first four chapters deal with. In chapter 5, uh, Moses uh, uh, looks at the commandments of God and just uh, reflects on the commandments of God. And then when we come to chapter 6 and chapter 7, uh, the emphasis of these two chapters he is placed upon the commandments of God and how that Israel ought to obey God's commandment. Amen? Now there's a question that comes to my mind in chapter 6 and 7 is why should we obey God's Word in a day when so many people are ignoring the Word of God? I mean, we're living in a time when most people ignore God's Word, both out of church and sad to say, but a lot sitting in church. Amen? They come to hear preaching or they listen to preaching, but they really don't hear of the preaching of the Word of God. I remind you in this passage of Scripture, in verse number 4 and in verse number 3, on two different occasions, Moses says, Hear, therefore, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. Moses said, I want you to listen to uh, the Word of God. Why should we listen to the Word of God? Moses tells them in the verse, first nine verses that we ought to listen to the Word of God uh, because of our love for the Lord. Amen. Uh, we ought to listen to God's word because we love him. Can I get a witness right there? And then Moses goes on throughout the rest of the chapter and says we ought to listen to the word of God, not only because we love God, but because of our gratitude for God. We ought to be thankful and we ought to be grateful for what God has done in our life. Amen. And he tells the nation of Israel, after all God has done for you, after all he has blessed you and the love that he has showed to you, you ought to listen to him because you love him, but you ought to be listening to him because you're grateful for what he has done in your life. Amen. It's already been testified this morning. The good things of our life is because of God. Isn't that right? When we obey God, when we listen to God, then good things happen in our life. That doesn't mean we live in a big house and drive a big uh, fancy car and we have a lot of money in the bank. Uh, no, it's riches a whole lot deeper than that and more blessed than that. It means that God allows us to prosper spiritually and God allows us to prosper in our home uh, in a way that uh, the things of this world could never give us. Uh, and that's real prosperity. 
prosperity. Amen. At the hand of God. And so we ought to listen this morning because we love Him. We ought to listen because we're grateful. And then in chapter 7, at the early verses of this chapter, he talks about we ought to obey and listen to the Word of God because of our separation to the Lord. Amen. Because we've been called out and we don't want to live in this world. We ought to listen to God because we want to follow His way and do His will in our life. Amen. That's real separation. And then Moses closes chapter 7 by saying we ought to listen to the Word of God because of the promises of God. I want to tell you, friend, there are promises that are unconditional and there's promises that are conditional. Amen. There are promises that God's going to keep His covenant as it's already been mentioned and God's going to come through and God is going to bless us. But then there's those promises. Amen. It's based on whether or not I obey Him. Whether or not I listen to His Word. Whether or not I do His will. I tell you, if you want to have a blessed life, do the will of God. And every promise that God ever made you, I promise you on the authority of the Word of God, He intends to keep that promise. If you'll honor Him, God will honor you. And if you'll be faithful to Him, God will be faithful to you. Amen. As Brother Chris said this morning, He will not forget you. But when we come to these verses here, I want you to notice, I'm talking about three principles for a godly home. You see, in verse number one, uh, uh, He talks about the precepts for the home. Uh, Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, uh, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land where you go to possess it. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about those statues that Israel was to live by. And these were the precepts for the home. Can I tell you something about the Ten Commandments? It's good to have them in the school and that's where they ought to be. But the school system has kicked them out. Amen. It's good to have them in the courts and that's where they ought to be. And a lot of court systems have have kicked them out. But God's intention for the Ten Commandments was not necessarily to be taught in the school or to be taught in the court system. They were to be taught in the home. Amen. These commandments uh, was to be in the home and uh, the heart of every one of his children. Amen. The tragedy today is that most church going young people today do not even know, could not even recite the Ten Commandments. The precept for the home, the practice in the home. Look what he said in verse number two, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God and keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy sons all the days of thy life. He talks about the promises here for the home, that thy days may be prolonged. Hey, if you want to live a long life, obey the Lord. Amen. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 1 said, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Amen. Living a wicked life will shorten your days here on this earth. Uh, obeying and living the uh, the Word of God will give you length of days and long life. Uh, obeying your parents. Amen. Uh, that's within the law of God this morning. Uh, and then he talks about these principles when we get to verse number 4. There's three principles this morning in verses 4 through 6 that uh, Moses lays out for the children of Israel for a godly home. Three principles. I'll give them to you and be through this morning. I don't know about you, but I want to have a godly home, don't you? This morning to have a godly home does not is not something that you obtain one day and then you have it forever. 
It requires maintenance. It requires practice. It doesn't matter when we think about a godly home. We think about a godly husband, a godly wife, and godly children. And certainly that is. But even after the children are grown and they're gone, our home is still to be godly. Amen? When you've buried your dearest friend on earth and God has left you here to live out your days, we're still to have a godly home. If you're a single individual, listen, maybe you don't have parents and you're living out on your own. Your home is still to be a godly home this morning. The principles of a godly home are very important. I want to tell you the reason our church is going, if our church, should I say this way, is if it's going to maintain and be a godly church, then it'll be made up of godly individuals that have a godly home. The reason the church has got into such of the entertainment business is because we've stopped emphasizing godliness in the home. And we've already, we've started emphasizing performance and entertainment in the walls of the church. You see, we think the con, or the, I shall not say we, but I want to say uh, this one, the concept of many this morning would be that if we can just draw a crowd and if we can just entertain them and if we can just put on a good show, so to speak, for an hour, good singing, good speaking, the right things that we can offer them, then perhaps folks will be happy. God is not interested this morning in entertainment. He's not interested in, in, in any preacher standing up and performing before a congregation. He's not interested in, in us walking away and saying, uh, uh, wow, that was a, a great service. And I understand the concept. We've all said that. He's not interested in us walking away. And, and listen, us being satisfied with the service. God's not interested in that. God's interested in one thing that He's always been interested in. Godliness. That we be godly this morning. Godliness in the average church spoken about today is the least, most interested subject amongst people. You can preach on a lot of things. Uh, you can talk about storms and, and I, nothing wrong with this, but you can talk about storms and you can stir the emotions of people. They'll walk away and say, man, that was great. But when you start talking about godliness... It's only for those that truly desire to please Him this morning. What are the three principles? I'll give them to you and be done. I want you to see, first of all, in verse number 6, the first principle for a godly home is a great revelation. You say, what do you mean a great revelation, preacher? The great revelation of verse number 4 is simply this. We have one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You know why that is so important? Because Israel had been enticed. They had been taught in bondage uh, that there was many gods, that there were several gods. The God of Egypt, uh, the Egyptian gods were, were gods of many. And God knew that as they went out uh, and even as they journeyed, uh, they would be enticed to, fo to follow the false gods of this world. But I want to tell you what separates us this morning from all others in this world uh, is that the God that we serve this morning, He is one God. Amen? He is the God. Uh, he is not a God. God, but He is the only God. Can I get a witness on that? You said, Brother Gravely, I already knew that. Why is that a great revelation in the home? Because it's not enough just to know it. It's enough to teach it. Amen? Teach it to your children. Teach it to your companion. Remind each other. Listen, that speaks of something this morning of value. When we say one God, it speaks of unity. Amen? It speaks of devotion. I'm not devoted to any other God this morning. 
I'm not devoted to the gods of this world. Can you say amen to that? I'm not devoted to the God of sports. Amen. I'm not devoted to the God of the entertainment business. I'm not devoted to the God of the material world. There's only one God and Jehovah is His name and He has only one Son and Jesus is His name. Make no mistake about it. He is the God of all gods. He's the God of the ages. He's the one we sing about. He's the one we preach about. He's the one we live for. There's just one God this morning. Amen. I want to tell you that one God, hallelujah, that my friend, He gives to our home. Amen. I'm telling you, every time I get a paycheck, I'm reminded it's not what I did. I didn't earn that, but God gave it to me. Amen. You say, Brother Gravely, but I worked 40 hours this week or 60 hours this week. But the only way you could do that was God gave you the ability and God gave you the job. He let you go punch the clock. He brought the money in. He put the, he signed your paycheck another week. I'm telling the reason we tithe and we give to God is because God has given unto us. Amen. I tell you, you look around your home and we're not caught up in material things. I understand that. But when you look around your home, a little furniture you sit on, God gave it to you. The roof over your head, God gave it to you. Those automobiles out in the front yard, God gave them to you. That money in the bank account, God let it flow into that account. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. There's just one God. There's one hand that feeds me. There's one hand that takes care of me. There's one hand that gives to me. It's this God. Hallelujah. I think we need to be reminded of that. We need to teach our children that. I'm telling you, when they're coming up, you need to teach them to tithe. You need to teach them to give to missions. You need to teach them if they get a dollar, a dime belongs to God because God gave them that dollar. Amen. Teach them there's one God. You teach them the toys in their room, God gave it to them. You teach them the bed that they sleep on, God gets a great revelation in it. When you think about before you got saved, or you think about people who are not saved, they drive, uh, uh, listen, fancy vehicles. Uh, they got all kinds of, of toys and, and they got all kinds of things in their home. Uh, and they're so deceived into thinking that somehow the sufficiency of man earned it within himself. But if you're a Christian, if you're saved, uh, you can't walk down the hallway of your home uh, and not be reminded uh, that in spite of my wicked self, uh, God has been good to me. Uh, he has blessed me. Uh, he has given me things I don't deserve. He has given me beyond my needs. He has been good. There is just one God this morning. Hallelujah. It means that He's the one who gives. This great revelation of one Lord means that He's the one that guards the home. Isn't that right? I believe you ought to have locks on your doors. Somebody say amen. That's right. I believe you ought to have a security system in this hour. Somebody say amen. I believe you ought to have a shotgun and a pistol. Somebody say amen. Don't you get nervous, amen. Uh, listen, I got one. She's got one. Amen. We got enough for, for 10 other people if they want to move in. Amen. And I'm just, don't move in. Amen. 
I'm telling you, if somebody come down our hallway, you say, what are you going to do? I'm going to shoot first, ask questions later, and pray to God when it's over with. Amen. But I'm telling you, listen, if I'm not home, I tell her, if somebody was to come in the house, uh, uh, listen, you just fire. Amen. Just shoot. Uh, you say, well, I don't like that. I don't like it neither, but it's the world we live in. Amen. But at the end of the day, can I tell you something? Uh, all them guns in the closet and in the safe uh, and all them locks on the door, that's not what's keeping you safe. Friend. Uh, I'm glad there is an seen hand. Uh, he gets behind the wheel every time I get behind the wheel. Uh, mercy on one side uh, and truth is on the other uh, and they follow me uh, all the days of my life. Uh, uh, thank God I'm glad there's a God that goes before me. Uh, there's a God that sees behind me. Uh, at the same time he's walking beside me uh, and underneath uh, are the everlasting arms uh, of this God that we serve. Uh, I cannot falter and I cannot fail uh, because the great revelation is this. Uh, there's one Lord. He walks ahead of the highways and the byways. He walks the dark hills. He neither slumbers. He neither sleeps. He is one Lord. He is one God. He don't need an army. He don't need nobody to help him. He can take care of us. Amen. Woo! He can be everywhere at the same time, on time, all the time. He is time. Amen. He can walk with you. He can walk with me. What a revelation. Our children need to know that in a godly home. Our companions need to be reminded of that. In an hour of fear and worry, we need to be reminded that this one God, this one Lord takes care of us. When you don't know how to pay your bills, you ought to get on your knees and say, God, lay them bills before God. Amen. Now, if you went out and you bought a you went out and you bought, you know, I don't know. Uh, you went out and bought a uh, $3,000 set of golf clubs. You have a hard time asking God to pay that bill. <laughs> Amen. You ought to be hitting the head with them golf clubs. But I'm telling you, if you got a hospital bill, put it before the throne. Amen. You got a power bill. Put it before the throne. Let your children see you pray over them bills. Let them know, growing up, knowing that it's God that takes care of us. Hey, I'm telling you, in a world that's turned upside down in this hour, I'm glad my hope is not in this nation. My hope is not in a in a party. My hope is not even in a president. My hope is in the one that can never let me down. My hope is the one, thank God, that 32 years ago in a little old storefront building, hallelujah, on a Sunday morning, pulled me out of the pit I was in and set me on a rock and establish my goings. That's him. It's always been him. It'll always be him when this world's a crashing and a crumbling and a rocking and a reeling. There is one Lord. I thank God that sees it all. Hallelujah. What a revelation. He guards. He governs the home. I want to tell you teaching your family there's one Lord in this home. And that's God. Reminding your spouse, reminding yourself. Husband, every financial decision you make, you have to give an account to God for. Every penny that you spend. Nothing wrong with buying things. You better tithe first. You better pay your bills first. First. 
You better take care of your wife first. Can I get an amen right there? That means you don't get a new suit if you don't have a new dress. Well, I hit a stump there. It's true. That means your children, you don't get, you're last when it comes to buying things. Amen. You say, well, uh, you know, I got my toys. I, I never did like that statement. That's a carnal statement. Anything that I have is not a toy. Amen. It should be a tool that to be used for the glory of God. You listen, you, you got a, you got all kinds of things and your wife is doing without. You ought to be hitting the head with a frying pan. Amen. That's right. I'm telling you, listen, you, you don't put your needs or your wants before that. You're at the end of the line. Amen. If you say, well, I don't like that, then you shouldn't have gotten married. Amen. Uh, I'm talking about the great revelation is uh, uh, that we have one Lord. Amen. And that one Lord, uh, uh, my friend, uh, uh, he governs the home. And a spirit-filled man uh, will put his wife first. He'll put his children behind there. He'll put himself at the end. Amen. Uh, it's not about everything he wants. Uh, it's about what they need. That's what a spirit-filled man does. Uh, and Listen, husband, I want to ask you, uh, listen, what kind of a husband are you? Uh, listen, what kind of a man are you in the home? You say, well, I go to work every day. And I tell you, to be a godly man, uh, that means that you're saved, number one. Uh, it means you're surrendered. It means you're spirit-filled. Uh, it means you're sensitive to the needs of your wife, uh, the needs of your children. Uh, I believe the most sensitive person uh, in the home ought to be the head of the home. Amen. Oftentimes, it's the wife, isn't it? But a spirit-filled man will be sensitive to the needs of others. Amen. I want to say this morning, wife, what kind of a what kind of a wife are you? One Lord. I don't mean call your husband Lord. Sarah called Abraham Lord. I heard one lady say, I may call him Lord, but I'm not going to call him Lord. Amen. There's one Lord in that home. When your husband makes a decision, don't fight with him about that. Amen. If it's not a spiritual decision, pray for him. He'll get in a whole lot more trouble with God than he will with you anyway. Don't tell your children when he's gone, well, don't tell daddy. Amen. Now, we were shouting a while ago. Let's keep shouting. Don't tell, don't tell him, say, well, as long as your dad don't find out. I'm going to tell you something. If you ever made that statement, you ought to repent to God. You ought to apologize to your, or confess to your husband and apologize to your children. Is that right this morning? You will, listen, you'll do great danger. There's one Lord. What your children need to know is that mom and dad's on the same page. There's unity between mom and dad. Mom doesn't manipulate behind dad's back and dad doesn't do the same thing. Listen there, you know why? Because there ought to be unison, not just amongst each other, but in the God, with the Lord. Amen. And if you're walking with God, and listen, you'll want the same things. You'll desire the same thing. Most fusses and arguments are over carnal things, material things, things, my friend that do not matter in eternity. I want to say this morning, it does not matter. Uh, listen, uh, uh, listen, how much of this life that we obtain, uh, uh, but their great revelation is that we ought to have a desire as a, as a couple. We ought to have a desire when it comes to our children. The family unit ought to have one desire. You say, what is that? To please God. Do you know how your children will see that? They'll see it in your life. Every decision should be about what does God say or think about it? In our homes, it should be evident that we have one Lord by the music that's played in our home. 
by the material that's in her home. Movies, magazines, pictures on the wall. I listen, things that are in the closet, in the garage, all these things, the mindset that's in the home. We ought to want to honor God together as a couple, together as a family unit. And we got to teach our children that the most important thing is that we honor God, that we please God. They ought to hear that often. Amen. The means, uh, uh, listen, of this is that there's allegiance to Him and, and him, him alone. The great revelation is just one Lord. You only have to please one person. If you please the right person, you'll please everybody else you're supposed to please. Doesn't mean everybody's pleased. But I'll tell you, young people, if you please God, if you have godly parents, you'll please them. Wife, if you please the Lord, you'll please your husband. Husband, if you please God, you'll please your wife. Is that right this morning? The great revelation. Then I want you to notice not only that, notice the great response. Not just one Lord, but the great response is one love. He said in verse number 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. You see this morning, he mentions the body the, with, when he talks about your mind. The body, the soul, the spirit. We're to please God with a man's a triune being. We're to please God with all of our body, our soul, and our spirit this morning. I want to say, if you and I, uh, listen, want to respond properly, that response needs to be a response of love. Moses didn't want them uh, just following instructions, uh, uh, listen, and, and basing everything off of personal opinion. But Moses wanted them to follow these instructions uh, based out of a motive of love uh, out of principle. You see this morning, uh, when you think about it, uh, uh, when you love somebody, it's not hard to serve that person. When you love somebody, there's a devotion, there's a dedication. You want to please that person. Why? Because you love them. Think about that. What if you had a submissive wife, but she didn't love you? What if you had a husband that came home from work every day, but he didn't love you? What if you had children that were obedient, but they didn't love you. This, this morning, if that would be true in any case, it would be nothing but vanity, wouldn't it? That wife would be just a slave. That husband would always be wanting to escape the home and find a way. You know, when you get married, you ought to want to be with your family. Can I get an amen? When you get married, you don't want to get away from your children. You don't want to get away from your wife. You say, well, I've heard women say, uh, well, I, and, and oftentimes sitting down, uh, listen, in a counseling session, I don't consider myself to be a counselor by no means, but uh, I would sit down, uh, down through the years, me and my wife with a couple. I've heard them say it many times. Well, uh, I've heard wives say, well, I just need some me time. You know what? Selfish is what that is. Because life is not about me. He said, well, preacher, uh, they just get on my nerves sometimes. I want to tell you, you shouldn't have gotten married, friend. Y'all still with me? You shouldn't have got married if you didn't want if you didn't want a spouse. You shouldn't have got married if you, you shouldn't have bore children if you didn't want children. They didn't ask to come in this world. You brought them in this world. They're not yours to pawn off on somebody else's. Amen. Thank God for grandparents, but grandparents are not meant to to raise children. They're meant to spoil them. Somebody say Amen right there. They're not meant to raise your children. They're, they're not to be glorified babysitters so you can go off and, and just have a, a me time to yourself. You say, I don't like that kind of preaching. Well, I'm just trying to help you this morning. There's a great response. Uh, uh, listen, if you love your children, you want to be with them. You love your spouse, you want to be with them. 
He said, well, Brother Grant, that's easy to say. Yours are grown. Yeah, but you know what? When they were coming up, when I got off, when I got off work, you know where I wanted to go? I wanted to go home. Is that still right? I wanted to see my wife. I didn't want to go hang out with a bunch of men somewhere. I didn't have to, I didn't want to get on a creek bank by myself to get, a, get away from my family. I wanted to see my family. He said, your kids ever drive you crazy? Well, of course they did. I mean, only, I mean, it's just the craziest thing in the world. One second you love them and the next second you want to beat them half to death. That's what love's all about. <laughs> Not really. One minute you just, you walk through the door and you're like, man, I'm so glad to see them. And the next minute you're like, okay, go do something now. <laughs> That's why grandchildren are so great. You play with them till you're tired of them. Do you know something this morning? Love. The greatest response in serving God and having a spiritual home is that we love God. I think it's first important to teach your children to Love God. Second important, to teach them to live for God. And the greatest mistake you'll ever make is to teach them to live for God and not teach them to love God. If you'll get the first one down first, you don't have to worry about the second. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. You hear a bunch of liberals say that. They say, oh, yeah, oh, you go to one of them kind of churches where the preacher gets up and, and he preaches all these do's and don'ts and all these rules and regulations. They're not rules and regulations if there's a relationship. The things that we do, we do them because we love Him. Amen. I, I want to do those things. Amen. And there's things I don't want to do because I love Him. Don't, can you say amen to that? Uh, and listen, uh, there, and you know what? In a relationship, it's got to be the same way. If all my relationship with God was about obedience, I'd quit. You say, why is that, preacher? Because I couldn't measure up. Rearing your children, you need to teach them to love God. You know the greatest way to teach them to love God? Let them see that in your life. You'll talk about God at home like He's the, and not like because He is, but you'll talk about Him at home that He's the greatest thing in your life. Sad, a lot of times the only spiritual conversation some, some children hear, hear is in Sunday school and at church. But I tell you, when they go home, that Bible says sit around the table and talk about Him. Talk about how great He is. Talk about how good God is. Talk about how wonderful he is. You would get a check in the mail. Your children ought to hear you say, God did that. Look what God did for us. You say, that, that's strange to the flesh, but I'm talking about teach them to love God. Teach them more than rules. Teach them more than regulations. Uh, teach them about a relationship. Uh, hey, you don't get up and read your Bible every morning so you can check it off and say, I read my four chapters. I, I prayed my 15-minute prayer. I prayed through my directory. Hey, it's commendable, but it's got to be more than that. You do it because it's real. You do it because it's a relationship. You do it because there's a desire more than anything else to get along with God. The great revelation is there's one Lord. But the great response is I love Him. Hey, we came to church this morning. Why? Why did we come? I don't know about you, but I want to be able to raise my hand and say I came for one reason. I didn't come for a paycheck. I didn't come to see who's who. I came this morning because I love the Lord. He heard my cry. He blessed my soul. Don't you just love Him this morning? 
You know why I'm preaching past 12 o'clock this morning? Because I love him. You know why nobody's walking out? At least I hope because you love him. Don't get up while I'm preaching. He's why well, I got something in the oven. You made a terrible mistake. It's what you did. I want to preach till I'm done this morning. Because I feel a burden. I'm going to tell you why I feel such a burden. I, I see, it ain't just here, but it's everywhere. I'm going to tell you, friend, 2020 has separated the men from the boys. There are people that are not going to make it if things don't change. And even if they do today, there are some people, they are so used to what they are doing over six months, they're not going back to it. You know why that is? They don't need it. They have figured out, I don't need Wednesday night church. They figured out, I, I really don't need Sunday school. I, I'm doing pretty good without Sunday No, you're not doing good without Sunday school. I'm going to tell you, them, them little ones coming up behind you sure ain't doing good without Sunday school. They're not do, you're not doing good without a prayer meeting service. You say, well, so-and-so's church isn't doing it. It's not the standard. I'm talking about this morning. The reason we go to Sunday school is not because we have to, because we love Jesus. We love God. We get an opportunity to hear another hour of the Word of God. Amen. I don't go to Sunday school because I'm a preacher. I don't come to go to Sunday school because it looks good. No. You go to Sunday school because uh, what a blessing it is. We love God. We go to church on Wednesday night because we love the Lord. Amen. What an opportunity to go to church on a Wednesday night and hear the Word of God preach and hear the saints of God testify. Hey, young people, you don't do them things because you have to. You do them because you want to. Do them because you love. The great response is not just to love God, but look what he said, love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. That your heart has to do with your spirit, your soul has to do with your will, your might has to do with your strength, your, your body, amen, service toward God. And then I close with this, the great responsibility, he said in verse number 6, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. The great responsibility is that we have one law. We have one law, one word from God. Israel have the Ten Commandments. We have a complete canon of Scriptures. We have one Bible this morning, isn't it right? The old King James Bible. It's the Word of God. And the, I love the old Bible. They sang, light on my pathway to shine. Keeps me so happy, always so happy. God's wonderful book divine. She said this morning, I'm glad I have a Bible. Amen. Your Bible goes beyond your feelings. Amen. Your Bible goes beyond our faith. The Bible is the facts. It's the rock that we stand on. My friend, it's the final authority in our life. It is God's Word. It'll always prevail. It'll never go under. It's the principle that we build our home and our family on. Hey, get your convictions from the Bible and you'll never waver. If everybody you know walks away from it, if you get it out of this book, bless God, uh, you'll be able to stand on it and say, I'm going to stay with it because it's not what mama said. It's not what the preacher said. Uh, it's not what a deacon said. Uh, it's not what all my friends said. Uh, it's what God said in that book. Uh, I'm going to stay with God, aren't you? Uh, I'm going to stay with that book. Uh, teach your children the Word of God. Amen. 
so many things in that one verse that I don't have time to talk about this morning. But I'll wrap it up by saying this. You need to teach your children the law, the Word of God. It is not the preacher's responsibility. It is not the Sunday school teacher's responsibility. All we are to do is reinforce what's already been said this morning. Your children need to know, they need to memorize the Scripture. Let me take it a step further. Mom or husband and wife, read your Bible every day. Memorize the Word of God every day. You need a working knowledge of that Bible. You need to, you say, well, I'm an old man now. You ought to memorize what you can. I read something the other day. It said crossword puzzles and memorization sharpens the mind and will fight dementia. What about that? Crossword puzzles would drive me nuts. I have no desire. If you like crossword puzzles, more power to you. But memorizing the Word of God will help your mind. I a lot more. I may preach the rest of this tonight, but I want to say this: that Word, that Law of God. You know, you can. I, I read a story. I thought it was pretty good. He said, "This verse here. It said, teach them." I read this story. I told my wife about it this morning. Where this dad told his son, he said, now his boy was eight years old. He said, son, he said, there's coming a day when you're going to want a car. He said, you're going to want a vehicle. He's eight years old. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, for every book I give you that you read from front to, from cover to cover, he said, I'm going to give you $10. He said, and that's going to go towards your car. He said, and whether you ride like a bum depends on whether or not you read like a bum. How you read is how you're going to ride. And he gave that boy those books to read. But by the time the boy got to, there were some Christian books. By the time the boy got old enough to, to get the car, he, it wasn't, he wasn't reading because of writing. He was reading because his father had taught him to develop. He developed in him. He said, well, that's bribery. No, bribery is an is a, is a intention to do evil. But I'm going to tell you something. God rewards His children. That's an incentive to do good. And when we reward, God rewards us, we ought to reward our children. What are we doing to train them, to teach them? The world wants your children. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. The world wants your spouse. They want your spouse. Nothing is secure without God. This morning, as we stand, the principles for a godly home is the responsibility. So I don't have any more children, no, but you ought to have spiritual conversation with your wife. It'll help her and it'll help you. Talk about the Bible. Talk about the Lord. Talk about the will of God. Amazing, we talk about everything. Talk about spiritual things. To strengthen your home. Strengthen your marriage. It'll help you love each other more. It's a great responsibility. If you see that your spouse 
has a hard time doing that, cultivate it in their life. And if they can't, pray for them. There's something wrong spiritually. This morning, the, the great response is out of love. Do it not because you have to. Don't do it because of what somebody's going to think or say. Or do it because you love God. Loving sure changes living. I've watched older people bear burdens that was beyond their own capability in taking care of their spouse. They would not give up. They would not quit. They kept on caring for them to their very last breath. You know why they did that? They loved them. They loved them. And love said, I cannot quit even when it feels like I can't go on. That's the way it is with the Lord. Loving changes living.